All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, hey, welcome to uh, Daring Faith, the second week of our campaign. If you guys are uh, new this morning, we are in a, a series uh, called Daring Faith, the Key to Miracles. And it, it goes along with several other things. And so we're going to talk about that today. So today is going to be a little bit different in terms of kind of our normal message. What we're going to do is we're going to have two parts today. Uh, the first part is I want to talk to you more about what is Daring Faith and share some more details, some more vision behind really what we're looking to do with that. And the second one, the second part is this, is I want to talk to you today uh, about a, a message that, that, that I think is important for us to hear. And it's this, is how can God take a little and make it a lot? How can God take a little and make it a lot? So here's what I want you to do. Take out your message notes. Even if you're not somebody who normally fills in the blanks and does this today, I want to encourage you to do that because I want to give you a lot of information that is going to be about our campaign and what we're doing that's important for you to have. And so listen, if you didn't get a worship guide, you don't have message notes and you want one, I got some guys around the room who are going to bring those to you. Just stick your hand up um, and they will get one to you. We got one right here. Um, and just keep them up until, uh, until they get here. So a couple guys that are doing that there. And uh, just keep your hand up until they bring you those notes today. Well, I want to begin with this, is uh, the Daring Faith campaign. And this question, what is Daring Faith? What is Daring Faith really all about? We've talked about it some, but I want to expand a little bit on the details. So number one, this. Daring Faith is really two parts. The, the first part is this. There's a focused emphasis. So there's a 10-week focus on three different things, on Growing your faith, sowing your faith, and going in faith, right? So we're going to focus on growing, sowing, and going in faith. Let's say those three words together, a little participation this morning. We're going to focus on growing, sowing, and going. Let's do it again. Ready? We're going to focus on growing, sowing, and going. Let me talk about those a little bit. We're going to talk about how can we grow in faith. See, God does not want us to stay as we are. God welcomes us in the grace and love and mercy of Jesus as we are, but then he wants us to grow. He wants us to deepen our knowledge in him. He wants us to grow our faith, grow our trust, grow our obedience. And so we're going to be asking you throughout this campaign to make a commitment to grow in your faith. Look at Colossians 2.7. Paul writes this, let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith strong and vigorous. And that's what we want to have happen throughout Daring Faith. But the second thing is this, is that we want to sow in faith. Now, not sow as in mending garments or putting pieces of clothing together, but sow as in planting, as in investing. That we want to sow in faith. God wants you and God's desire for us is that we would grow in our generosity, that we would become generous people more and more in our life, that we would use the things that God has given us, invested in his purposes and for his kingdom. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 on your message notes. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So there's this principle of sowing and reaping that God's word talks to us about. And it's not just about money and finances. It's about anything. That if we sow, if we invest, if we put ourselves into something, we're going to reap the return of what that is. That's positive or negative. So if you invest in kindness, if you sow in kindness, then you're going to receive kindness back. You're going to reap. You're going to get the return of kindness. If you sow in complaining or if you sow um, in negativity, that's what you will get in return. And so God says that he wants us to learn how to sow. And we don't just reap the same amount that we get. The God's word and God's principles are this, that when we sow generously, we will reap that generously. So let's say that you go and plant a kernel of corn in the ground. You sow that, you plant that. The reality is, is you're not going to get back just one kernel of corn, but you're going to get back more than you invested. There's always blessing available if we're willing to sow in faith. And so we're going to talk about that. And the third commitment is this, is we're going to talk about making the commitment to go in faith. Look at Hebrews 11, 8. It says, it was by faith Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place God promised to give him. He left his own country without knowing where he was to go. 
The Bible has example after example after example of men and women who God said, I want you to go. I want you to step out in faith. I want you to go and, and do this. Go and make this a reality for you. And at each point, they had to decide, am I willing to go? Am I willing to apply the things that I have in my life and step out in faith into, at times, uncertainty? into at times, you know, not knowing really where. It said that Abraham didn't know where he was going to go, but God told him to go. And so we're going to be making commitments and seeking God to say, God, where do you want me to step out in faith? What could be going on in my life that I need to step out and say, God, where do you want me to take my faith? Where do you want me to go and live my faith out? What are you going to have me step into? And so those three commitments to Grow to sow and to go are are the the three words you're going to be hearing a lot of throughout this campaign. And so you have part one is this 10-week focus on growing, sowing, and going. But the second part of the campaign is that there's going to be an extended movement. See, what we're hoping is this, is that what God does during these 10 weeks, that it doesn't end on week 10. That what God does sparks something in our life and our church that will continue for the next 24 months. And we're going to have 24 months of continued activity, challenge, follow through, and opportunity. And so daring faith is not the end. It's just the beginning of the next season, the next movement of God in our lives and our church. And so that's what we're looking to do. Well, why are we doing it? Well, we talked last week about this, this reality, that faith is the foundation for a life with God. That faith is the foundation for a life with God. That if we want to live with God, if we want to have a relationship with God, if we want to honor him, if we want to know him, if we want to be blessed by him and be used by him, if we want to find significance and meaning in our life, then we've got to be willing to understand that faith is the foundation that makes all of that possible. Look at a couple of verses. Hebrews 1.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we cannot honor God in our life unless we're willing to live by faith. And Matthew 9.29 says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So as we talked last week, that God is not at our beck and call. But here's the reality, is that we control how God will work and bless our life. Because as our faith, according to our faith, it will be done to you. So if we have a little bit of faith in God, God is going to do a little bit of things. If we have a lot of faith in God, God will do a lot of things. If we have big faith in God, God will do big things. If we have no faith in God, God's not going to do anything in our life. He's not going to bless our life. He's not going to work in our life. Because as our faith goes, so goes God's blessing in our life. And so we want to spend weeks talking about this and for the next two years to have the focus of the results of what happens. Because Faith is the foundation to a life with God. Everything that we are, everything we're about, begins and ends with faith. Well, so I want to share with you the three purposes. So that's the big picture stuff. Well, what are the three things, three purposes of of why this? Because we can talk about faith, we can do these kind of things, but why a campaign? Why 10 weeks? Why 24 months? Why are we doing this collective thing together? Well, for three reasons. Number one is this, is that we're doing this to unite our church around a common study and focus. It is that we're hosting Daring Faith, we're leading Daring Faith because we wanna unite our church around a common study and focus. The, the reason why we're spending 10 weeks in a sermon series like this and why we've been challenging you to step into a small group for the next six weeks and why we're ch- challenging you to get a study guide and do the daily readings and memorize the scripture and make these commitments is because, is because all of this wraps around together. And when we are focused on the same thing, it unites us together. Think about a sports team. Sports teams are made up of people from different backgrounds, different likes and dislikes, different ethnicities, different, you know, thoughts on life. But when a sports team really gels, when they begin to click together, they become unified because they're going after the same purpose. Well, so part of this campaign is that we want to unite our lives around this common study, this common focus. Because when we unite ourselves around that, God will bring us closer and closer together. Look at second, or 1 Corinthians 1.10. This was Paul's prayer for the church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So we're doing this campaign. One of the reasons is because we want to unite ourselves as a church 
around this common focus. Because when we're united, we're stronger and we're better together. Second reason is this, is to spark a new season of spiritual growth and excitement. You know, muscles only grow when they're put to use, when they're stretched. And the same is true with faith. And if we're not careful, what will happen is, is that our, our faith muscle becomes weakened because we're not stretching it. We're not using it. And sometimes our faith can get stuck in a rut. We can get stuck just kind of doing the things we're supposed to be doing, doing the, the church thing, checking the boxes, and then kind of feeling like, you know, God's not really doing in my life and through my life what he's done in the past. And we can become stuck. Well, campaigns like this and seasons like this are, are sometimes, and what we're praying for is that it's the kick that some of us need to get out of the rut that we're in. It's that catalyst to, to, to change our life and to move us into a new season of spiritual growth, not just individually, but also as a church. Look at 2 Corinthians ten fifteen. It says, our hope, and this is our hope too, our hope is that as we help your faith grow larger, So we want to help your faith grow larger. I want to help as your pastor. I want to help your faith grow. Then as we do that, then you'll be able to help the ministry grow larger too. Because as we grow in our faith as individuals, our church will grow as well. That we'll become stronger. We'll become more powerful. That we'll make more and more of a difference in our community and in our world. And we'll fulfill what God has called us to be all about. So we want to spark a new season of spiritual growth and excitement. And the third purpose is this. Is we want to encourage generous giving. We want to encourage generous giving to, to really do two things. To number one, reduce our current mortgage debt and to fund our ongoing ministry. So this third purpose is, is all about increasing our generosity, increasing our willingness to sow, to invest in faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love, the love that we've kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, River Club Church was founded on the generosity of people. It's been sustained on the generosity of people. And we have before us some challenges as we move into this next season of our church. We have some opportunities that we need to take hold of to step up and say, we want to continue this legacy of generosity. And so specifically what we're going to be doing is this, is on November 20th, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. And that commitment Sunday is something we're going to talk more and more about throughout the campaign. But that commitment Sunday is where we are going to ask you as part of River Club Church to make a commitment to sow in faith, to grow and expand and, and encourage generous giving. And we're going to ask you to do it in two ways. One is we're going to ask you to do it through an end of the year offering and commitment. So we took a big step of faith this past year, had the best year giving in the history of our church in 2015, took a big step of faith in 2016 and said, God, we want to do these things for you. We believe that, God, you're going to grow us and grow our budget and grow the generosity of our church. And so as we put that out there, we've kind of found that, that we've had some struggles with that. And so we have a deficit between what we projected and then what we've been able to spend. And we've had to cut back on some things that we felt God leading us to do because of that deficit. Well, we want to end 2016 in a very good spot financially. And so we've got to take some time to make up for that deficit. And not only so we can be in the year this year financially healthy, but we can begin next year in a very good place. And so we're going to be asking you to make a year-end gift and, and commitment of what between November 20th and the end of the year that you'll commit to say, I'm going to sow in faith in this way. The second part of that is we're going to ask you to make a, a two-year faith commitment pledge. That for the next 24 months that you as an individual or you as a family will say, here's how we are going to help our church address our current debt. Right now, we have approximately $2.6 million in mortgage that we owe on this facility. So right now, we pay 50% of that mortgage note every single month, and Charlotte Street pays the other 50% of that. So we took the largest really increase that we've taken, which is part of where we're struggling financially, where we moved and jumped 10% to be 50-50 with Charlotte Street. But here's the reality is I believe if we're going to move forward as a church, we've got to become financially self-sufficient. 
that we want to free up as much as we can our mortgage payments so that we can think about what God has in store in the future because we can't do anything to expand. We struggle to find dollars to fix up some things that are going on here that we need to be doing because of this mortgage payment. And Charlotte Street is investing a lot of money in this as well. So we want to free that up for us, but then also free them up so that they can continue to see, God, what's the next thing for us? And so we want to reduce that payment where we can take that on 100%, if not eliminate that current mortgage debt. And so we're going to be asking on November 20th that you would help us by saying, here's what I'm willing in faith to commit over the next 24 months to help with that. And here's how we're going to do it. The first 10% of the amount of money that's pledged and the amount of money that's received we're going to invest outside the walls of our church in ministry and mission and in partnerships. We're going to say, God, if we're challenging our people to be generous, we're going to be generous as a church. And so the first 10%, it's going to go out to do ministry. It's not going to directly affect us in this. The, the 80% is going to go toward this debt reduction plan and, and program we're doing. And then the other 10% is going to be used to help us make some changes and do some improvements and projects around here that we need to be doing. And I'll share more about that coming up. But I want you to know that, that that's a purpose of what we're wanting to do. We're wanting this campaign to help us address and, and really grow our church financially and address some challenges, but also take hold of some opportunities. And, and so we, we want to do that. Well, now here's the thing. So I've been in church enough and a pastor long enough to know that when the pastor starts talking about money, everybody tends to get a little uncomfortable, right? People start fidgeting. People start like, oh man, are we really going to go there? You know, if you're a first time guest, you're kind of like, of course, my first Sunday, pastor's talking about money, right? So how do we kind of, you know, navigate some of that tension? Because the reality is this, is that Jesus talked and he taught more about finances and money than he did about heaven. Why? Because there's a great challenge when it comes to the stuff we have in our life, but there's also great opportunity to grow our faith. And so maybe you had some bad experiences in churches. You've had some bad experiences with churches, you know, doing campaigns and finances in the past. Well, here's what I want to do. Let me share with you what we're going to do and my, what we're going to promise to you that we'll do, but then we're also not going to do. So let me, let me share with you the first, here's what we're not going to do in this campaign, okay? We're not going to do three things. First one is this, is, is we're not going to pressure you to give. We're not going to pressure you to give. My goal is to, to never pressure you or guilt you or manipulate you into giving money to any campaign that we do. That, that's not my heart. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's right. In fact, the Bible teaches us that if we feel pressure to give, we shouldn't give because that's not the motivation that God wants for our generosity. Look at, look at this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So the Bible says, listen, if you feel pressure to give, don't give. If you feel like I'm pressuring you to be part of Daring Faith and to give, don't give. Now, there's a difference between pressure and being challenged by God. But if you feel like we're pressuring you, I don't want you to give because that's not what God wants. Here's what God wants. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That we should give out of the joy of our heart and what God is doing in our lives. So the number one thing is this, is, is my goal is to not pressure you and commit to you today. I, I'm not going to pressure you to give. Second thing is this, is that we're not going to sell anything. We're, we're not going to sell anything. We're not going to sell anything so that you can buy it and we can fund this project. We're, we're just not going to do that. See, there's, there's a difference between a fundraiser and a giving campaign. A fundraiser is this. It's you get a reward for giving me your money. So you give me money and I'll give you some popcorn. You give me money, I'll give you some cookie dough, right? You give me money, I'll give you a magazine subscription. Like there's a tangible quid pro quo kind of thing. That, that's not a giving campaign. A giving campaign is this. It's saying I'm going to give out of the generosity of my heart because that's what God has called me to do. And it's not about what I'm going to get, what I'm going to receive. Now, listen, I'm not dogging fundraisers, okay? I'm not saying, you know, that, that we'll never have a student ministry car wash. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for daring faith, we're not going to sell anything. We're not going to sell anything. Because part of it is this, is 
giving and a giving campaign grows our faith and our character a lot more than a fundraising campaign does. And I want to stand before you and I want to tell you this, that I will not ask you to do anything during this campaign that I am not willing to do myself. So when I challenge us as a church that we need to be giving 10%, that that's the tithe, that's the goal that God would have for us to move to and aspire to. I'm telling you that because me and my family, we're giving a tithe. We are taking 10% of everything that God gives us off the top and we give that back. I don't say that to brag. I say that because I want you to know that I'm on the front line with you doing that. And when it comes to daring faith, we're gonna be in that same process. God, what do you want us to do above and beyond? How do you want us to give sacrificially to this mission, this cause? Because we've gotta see, listen, that this is about what God wants us to do. So we're not gonna sell anything. The next thing is this, is we're not gonna promote products mixed with giving. Now let me explain this one. We're not gonna promote products mixed with giving. Here's what I mean. We're not gonna sell your stuff so you can then give money back to the church. So we're not gonna promote your business. We're not gonna promote your product. We're not gonna promote your financial investment opportunity. We're not gonna allow you to have access to our people to say, here's what I'm gonna promote. And if you'll promote my product, then I'll give back a portion of that to the campaign. We're not gonna do that, okay? Because that's not what it's about. Now listen, if, if God leads you to go start a second business, to go invest financially and say, listen, I'm gonna start a business so that, that I can take the proceeds of this and I'm gonna invest this into the campaign, that's great, but I'm not gonna promote that within the life of our church. Because we don't wanna mix what you're doing personally and for your personal gain with what God is doing here. So that's not, we're not gonna do those things. We're not gonna pressure you to give. We're not gonna sell stuff. And we're not gonna promote products so that you can give a little bit back to us. But here's what we are gonna do. We're gonna do three things. The first one is this, is we're gonna show that everyone can give something. Throughout the campaign, we're gonna show that everyone can give something. Because no matter how small the gift is, everybody can be a part of generosity. The Bible tells a story of a widow who, uh, who went in to give her offering in the temple right after a very rich man. And, and, and Jesus said that even though she gave just two mites, two pennies, the, the very little bit that she had, her gift was more acceptable because she gave with the right motivation. Where he gave in abundance, he gave out of his wealth and, and didn't give an equal amount. He gave more for show that she gave out of her poverty. And because of that, she received blessings. So listen, there's no gift that's too small in the hands of God. And so we want to show that everyone can give something. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 3. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. So they gave as much as they were able, and then stepped out in faith to where God would lead them to, to, to expand and grow. So we're going to challenge that same thing, that everybody can give something. And, and here's the thing. Maybe you're at a place where, you're saying, okay, this is the complete wrong time for a capital campaign. I just took a pay cut. You know, I just lost my job. How can I make a two-year commitment? Well, part of that, God might lead you to say, my commitment is based upon my getting a job in the future. And so maybe I can't start giving now, but I have faith that throughout the next two years, God is gonna provide for me so that I can be generous in my life. Everybody can give something. But we're gonna show that. Second thing is this, is that we're going to ask people to sacrifice. We're going to ask people to sacrifice. And here, here's the, the, the phrase that you're going to hear a lot about. We're going to talk about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Equal sacrifice, not equal giving. The, the amount of money that God leads you to give, to me, is not as important as what you're willing to sacrifice. Because your sacrifice might be greater even though the dollar amount is less than somebody else in the room. The widow's sacrifice was greater because she gave what she could. And it wasn't anywhere close to what the rich man gave, but to her, that was the sacrifice. And so we're gonna challenge everyone to sacrifice with equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. And so it's about being willing to give as opposed to necessarily saying, here's the amount that I have to give. 
And so some might say this, that listen, you know, Zach, I, I, I don't like to make financial commitments to the church because it's presumptuous, right? I don't know what God's going to do in the next two years. I, I, don't, I don't feel right about making a promise, making a pledge over the next two years. What if something happens? Well, let me challenge you with this. I think sometimes we have a different standard when it comes to God and the church than everything else in our life. Because if you genuinely don't feel comfortable making a financial commitment, then you can never buy a house. You can never sign a year lease on an apartment. You can never charge something on a credit card because you're saying, hey, I'll pay that back in the future. I think sometimes we are... We don't like to make a, a financial commitment to God, but we'll make a financial commitment. So let's be honest about where maybe we're kind of hung up on that, right? But we're all going to be asked to sacrifice. And here's the third thing, is that we're going to follow a biblical pattern for giving. Is that everything we do, everything we talk about, everything we practice, we're going to follow what we believe the Bible says about how we should give and the way that that should be done. I'll talk more about that in the future. So hopefully, you now know what we're not going to do. You know what we are going to do. And so maybe I've alleviated a little bit of the tension, a little bit of the uncertainty of that, that you're not going to get beat over the head. You're not going to get pressure. You're not going to get made to feel horrible. That we're going to see what God has for us, and we're going to joyfully move into this together. But all that being said, there's four reactions that are going on here and that will be going on in our church over these next couple of weeks, these next 10 weeks. There's four reactions. Here's what I want you to do. Kind of figure out today where you fit in these four reactions. The first reaction to this campaign is this. Is there are going to be some people in this room, there's some people in our church, they're going to give no matter what's said. They're going to give no matter what is said. They don't need a campaign. They don't need a giving brochure. They don't need a 10-week series. They are generous people who God has, has led to just expand their generosity. And so we come and say, hey, here's the plan. Here's the obstacle. Here's the challenge. What God's gonna, is going to do in you. And they say, here, I'm going to do this. And they don't need anything more than that. And there are some people, that is what they're going to do. They're going to give no matter what we do, no matter what we say, because they're at that place of generosity in their life. There are other people, though, the reaction is going to be this, that, that you're not going to give no matter what we say. That it doesn't matter how great the vision is. It doesn't matter how great the small group is. It doesn't matter how great this is. It doesn't matter anything. You're in a place where you're not going to give. Now, why would somebody choose to just out and outrightly say, I'm not going to give? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is this, is that you're in pain. That you're in pain. That maybe you're going through something in your life right now where you suffered a loss, you're battling a sickness, your, your, your marriage is on the rocks, it's falling apart, and, or maybe you just got divorced or you just ended, you know, uh, something happened in your life. And, and all you can focus on is just getting through today and moving into tomorrow. Listen, when we're in pain, it's hard to think about anything else besides the pain that we're in. I think that's a legitimate reason why you might not give to this campaign. Now, can you give if you're in pain? Absolutely. But maybe you're not going to. So what would we say as a church to you? Well, I would say on behalf of our church, we are so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here because God has called us to care for those who are hurting. And we all go through times where we need somebody to stand beside us and to care for us and to love us and encourage us. And that's what we want to do for you during Daring Faith. So some people might not give because you're in pain. That's a legitimate reason. Another reason is because you're just immature. And here's what I mean by that. You're maybe new to church or maybe, you know, you just kind of live in this world where you walk in on Sunday and the chair is always there and you just assume the chair is always there. But the reality of this is that two men got here this morning early and set out every single one of these chairs. You walk in every, every week and you say, hey man, there's coffee all right there. Well, you're kind of like, well, the coffee fairy must just kind of make that happen because it's always there, right? But people give money to help provide that for you. They do that. There's just an immaturity. There's a breakdown between how things happen and how things actually get done. And maybe you're not at that place yet to understand that the reason things happen in a church is because God's people step up and do the things that need to happen. So that might be a reason. 
But the third reaction of how people are going to respond is another reason why people might not give, and it's this, is that they choose to be selfish. They choose to be selfish. And listen, there are going to be some in this campaign, that's going to be your choice. And you're going to say, you know what? I don't feel like I, can, I want to invest in somebody else. I'm too busy investing in me. I have needs. I have things I want. I have plans. And you're going to allow that choice to be selfish to keep you from the blessing of being a part of this campaign. And you're my job to challenge. Part of what we're going to do is we want to challenge that. Because selfishness actually keeps us from experiencing God's best. And the fourth group is this. And this is the group I'm most excited about. These are the people who, they're going to give because God changes their heart. You're going to give because God is going to change your heart. Then maybe if I were to say today, are you willing to be a part of the, the giving component to daring faith? You, you would be struggling with that and say, I don't think I am. But over these next 10 weeks, God's going to do something in you where he's going to open a spirit of generosity, open a spirit of obedience, open a spirit of faith. And God's going to use you to bless other people. So those are the four reactions. Some people are going to give no matter what. Some people aren't going to give no matter what. Some are going to choose to be selfish, but some, your heart and your life is going to be changed over these next weeks. And God is going to spark in you a spirit of generosity that's never been there before. And God's going to bless you as you bless other people. Well, so what can you expect? What can you expect personally to happen? I think four things you can expect if you're willing to be part of Daring Faith. The first one is this, is you can expect to see, see miracles. You can expect to see miracles. Now we talked about this last week, what a miracle is. A miracle is God making possible that which without him would be impossible. That for some in this room, we're gonna see and you're gonna experience personally God making possible something in your life that without him, it was gonna be impossible. We're gonna see people come to faith in Jesus Christ through this campaign. Some people who you've been praying for for a long time and they've never made that decision, they're gonna accept Christ during this campaign. There's gonna be some relationships that are gonna be restored. There's gonna be some marriages that are on the rocks that, that God is gonna bring new life to. There's gonna be some people who have lost all hope and you're gonna find new hope. There are gonna be some of you, you're gonna get a promotion at work that was totally unexpected. You're going to be asking God, God, how am I going to give? How can I step out in faith? And, and, and somehow, through the work of God, you're going to come into some money that you weren't expecting so that you can be faithful in that generous commitment. We're going to experience God making possible some things that without him would have been impossible because God moves on our behalf when we choose faith. Second thing is this, is that you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow spiritually. You're going to get closer to God. Your faith is going to deepen. Your relationship with God is going to, be, going to be stronger through this campaign than it was before. The third thing is this, and this is the one I don't like, but it's going to be the truth, is, is that you can expect to be hassled by Satan. You can expect to be hassled by Satan. Listen, if you want God to, to grow your faith and you're committing to do the things to make that happen, we have a spiritual enemy. And that spiritual enemy wants to do two things to our life. The first one is this, is that he wants to keep you from choosing to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And he has lied to you. He has convinced you that Jesus is not true. He's convinced you that there are multiple ways to heaven. He's convinced you that you're not good enough for God. He's convinced you that you don't need faith in Jesus. And that's what he wants to do. But if you choose faith in Jesus, here's what he wants to do. He wants to keep you from experiencing the fullness and growing your faith and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And so he will take anything he can in our life to distract us and discourage us. And we shouldn't be afraid because he's not all powerful. The enemy is not the most powerful thing in our life. God is, but we need to be aware of this and this is gonna happen. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We, we need to be aware, listen, Things are going to happen. Difficulties are going to come up. And you're going to want to give up on your commitment to God. 
You're going to want to give up on that pledge that you made. You're going to want to give up on the commitment to your small group. You're going to want to give up on your commitments. You're going to, you're going to want to back away because you become discouraged and frustrated. Listen, some of you are going to get sick or your kids are going to get sick at the wrong time. For some in this room, listen, your car is going to break down. Your heater is going to go out. You're going to have to have that extra doctor's test that you didn't expect. And the insurance isn't going to cover what you thought they were going to cover. You're going to get that bill and you're going to say, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting that. Like that's going to happen. Some of you are going to go through a crisis. And all of this stuff, a lot of it, it's going to come right after you take that step of daring faith. And we need to be aware, listen, we're going to face some difficulties. Here's something that's going to happen, and I guarantee you it's going to happen. If you're married, you're going to fight with your spouse during daring faith. And you're probably going to fight about your commitment. When we get closer to November 20th and we say, hey, listen, talk to your family, get together. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to step out in faith and commit to over these next two years? I guarantee some of y'all will have a fight. One person's going to say, we need to do this. The other person's going to say, we need to do that. And you're going to have to say, what though are we going to do? And you're not going to agree at first. Just say, listen, Zach said we were going to do this. Right? Don't blame it on me. Blame it on Satan. But just like, don't be surprised. Right? Be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're fighting about this. Yes, believe it. Right? Right? Sometimes you fight about where to go eat dinner. That's like nothing compared to like two years. What are we going to do, right? You need to expect that. Fourth thing is this though. If you press forward, right, you're going to experience joy. You're going to experience joy because anytime God works through us and God works in us, God brings us joy even in difficult times. So that's daring faith. That's what we're asking you to commit to. Now, now here's, here's the thing. In the time that we have left, I want to quickly talk to you about this. How can Jesus turn a little into a lot? Because if God is really going to do in and through daring faith, what we're wanting him to do, God is going to have to show up. And at times he's going to have to take the little that we can offer him. And he's going to have to turn that into a lot. And see, here's the principle. The principle is this, is that God has the power to take a little and turn it into a lot. If you have a little bit of energy and you need God to give you more energy, God can take the little bit of energy you have, he can turn it into a lot. If you have a little bit of forgiveness in your heart for that person and you need a lot of forgiveness, God can take that little bit of forgiveness and he can turn it into a lot. If you need that patience in your life, and you have a little bit of patience, but you need a lot, God can take the little you have and turn it into a lot. God can take a little and turn it into a lot. And the best story that illustrates this spiritual truth is found in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's the story of Jesus miraculously feeding over 5,000 people. So look at your note sheet. Here's kind of what was going on. Jesus was traveling around. And a crowd followed him. So the Bible says there were 5,000 men. So that's not just 5,000 people. 5,000 men and then wives and children were alongside that. That's why they say there were over 5,000 people. And so over 5,000 people are traveling with Jesus. They've come out to the wilderness, come out to the desert, come out to the country to listen to him teach. And he's been teaching all day long. And as they get toward the end of the day, the disciples come to him, his closest followers come and they say, Jesus, these people have been out here all week. Um, we need to give them something to eat. Like they're, they're getting hungry. So let's go and send them off to travel back to town or to local farms and so they can buy some food. And then Jesus though looks at him and says, no, 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 no. We're not gonna send them away. You feed them. And the disciples look at Jesus like he's crazy because they can't feed 5,000 people. Mathematically, it's not possible monetarily, it's not a reality. Like there, there's no way that they can do this. But God in that moment wanted to not only bless the people, but he wanted to teach a spiritual truth. And the truth is, is that he can turn a little into a lot. 
And there's four things that I want to share with you real quick as we walk through this story that we can understand and take to our life. And here's how I want to talk about it is this. How do we prepare for a miracle? How do we prepare for God to do and make possible that which without him is going to be impossible? What do we do when we need God to turn the little that we have into a lot? Write this down. The first thing we see is this, is that we first have to admit that we have an unsolvable problem. We have to admit that we have an unsolvable problem. Here's the reality. If you have a solvable problem, you don't need a miracle. You need a plan. That if you have a solvable problem, you don't need a miracle. You need a plan. People say this sometimes like, you know, I just, I, I, I'm in so much debt. I keep overspending, overspending. God, I need a miracle. No, you need a budget, right? It's a solvable problem. Now you need God's strength to give you self-control to not overspend, but you don't need a miracle. You need a plan because you can make that possible. Maybe you're kind of like me and, and you, you keep noticing this, this thing happens like week after week that your clothes seem to get tighter, Right? And you don't know why it's happening. And you're like, God, I need a miracle because there's something funky going on in my closet. And no, he says, no, you don't need a miracle. You need a diet, right? You, you needed to stop eating or eat differently. See, though we don't need miracles. Some of you guys are kind of like, I need a miracle because I can't stop, right? Like you don't need a miracle though, right? We need a plan. For a miracle to happen, you have to have a problem that you can't solve. So this is what's happened here. Look, look at this, Mark 6, 34 to 37. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can get to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Listen, for a miracle to happen, you have to have an unsolvable problem. You have to come across something in your life where you've stepped out in faith enough where you can't do it on your own. And see, we talked about this last week, that I think for some of us, right, we don't experience the power of God in our life because we never step out and do anything that we would, would require God's power to be needed in our life. We've kept our life so neat and so organized and so together, right? That we don't need God's help. But when we step out in daring faith and there's a gap between what we can accomplish and what we can solve and what needs to be solved, then that opens the door for a miracle. And we've seen that. You know, listen, throughout this campaign, we said God's going to work miracles, and God's already done that. We're going to be sharing with you stories of people in our church over these next several weeks that God did something miraculous in their life, that God stepped in. And here's what I believe as your pastor is that you're going to have your own daring faith story. And I would love to hear about that. We would love to hear about that. And so throughout the campaign, we're going to begin something today, and we want to invite you to share your story with us. When God shows up and makes possible what without it would be impossible, we want to hear about that. And we want to hear about that so that we can be encouraged, but also this, so that maybe we can share that with somebody else and they can be encouraged as well. So here's how I want you to do that, is we have a, a, an email address set up. It's riverclubstories at gmail.com, riverclubstories at gmail.com. And as you're living your life and you're stepping out in faith and God shows up, send that story in and say, hey, Zach, listen, this is how it, sh it showed up. Listen, after every service, we're going to be, we have a place, we have some people that they're there because they just want to hear your story. And so starting today, if you have a story to tell, Go to the connection, the Connect Center right out here, and they're going to point you to exactly where you need to go so that you can have a chance to share your story with us. Because when we have a problem that's unsolvable, that's when God steps up. And they did. They had no way to feed these 5,000 people. So when we find ourselves in that situation, we need to have an unsolvable problem. The second thing we have to do, though, is we have to give God what little we already have. We have to give God what little we already have. Look at Mark 6, 38. It says, how much bread do you have? Jesus asked. 
Go and find out. So he says, listen, go out into the crowd, over 5,000 people, find out, hey, how much food do we have to work with? And it says, we came back and said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, five loaves of bread, we're not talking about like Wonder Bread loaves of bread. We're talking like dinner rolls, right? It was one little boy's lunch, John tells us. Five rolls and, and two sardine type, type fish, right? Now, here's what's an interesting thought, right? And so one of the things we're doing throughout this campaign is, is that I, I'm looking at, at the messages that, that were, were put together to go around this, this campaign and then I'm adapting them to us and kind of who we are. And one of the things that Rick Warren points out here that I never really thought about is this, is that do you really think with 5,000 people, nobody else had food? Like nobody had a granola bar, some nuts, some candy. There was a grandma with hard candy somewhere, right? I mean, like somebody had something, but they come back and all they have that was willing to be given was one little boy's lunch. You see, God always starts with what I have. He always starts with what I have. And sometimes we don't step out in faith because we're more focused on the little bit that I have than the bigness of the God who can do a lot with that little. And we've got a citizen. I'm going to give what I have to God, no matter how small it might seem, no matter how insignificant it might be. I'm going to give what little I have to God. And here's what's interesting. In John 6, 6, John says this. He says that Jesus asked this only to test them. So he asked how much food they had only to test them. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Listen, Jesus knew how he was going to solve the problem before he knew how little food there was there. Jesus knows how he's going to solve the problem in your life, how he's going to provide for you before you might even know what you have to give him. He's not worried about how little you have. He's worried about what he can do with it. That's how he works. That's how he makes a little turn into a lot. And so we've got to give that to him. Third thing we see is this, is that, we have to put it all in the hands of Jesus. We have to take the little we have. We have to put it all in the hands of Jesus. Look at Mark six forty one. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. That the little boy gave what he had. Rick Warren says this. He says, here's how the little boy gave. That he gave in three ways. He gave willingly, cheerfully, and immediately. And we don't have time to really go into that, but the little boy gave his lunch willingly. Like the disciples didn't bully him out of his lunch, you know? They didn't like intimidate him and pressure him and say, listen, Jesus needs that fish, boy, you know? Right? (laughs) He gave willingly. We don't see him complaining. He gave cheerfully, right? And he gave immediately. Like he was asked, they said, go ask. And they came back with the food. They didn't say, there's one little boy's lunch that he won't give it though, Jesus. Can you go talk to him? Right? That's how he gave. And he put in the hands of Jesus. And then when we do that, here's the thing that has to happen. Number four, we have to expect God to multiply it. Here's how it ends. I love this. Mark 10, 27. It says, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Jesus started with a Lunchable, right? He started with five rolls and two sardines. And after it was over, they picked up 12 baskets full of food. Now, here's what I always thought was kind of interesting, right? Who got the food? Like, who got the leftovers? You know, can, can you imagine, though, if the little boy got one of the baskets to take home? He comes home, you know, and his mom's like, where have you been? You've been gone all day. And it's like, Jesus. I was like, well, why'd you take so long? He's like, he talked too long. You know, what are you gonna do? Right? And it was kind of like, what are you carrying? Oh, I got a basket of bread and, and fish. Where'd you get that? Jesus. What happened to your lunch? This is it. No, where'd you get the food? No, Jesus. Okay, go to your room, right? So you tell me where you got your food. And he's like, Jesus, right? I don't know what to tell you. I had a little bit and he turned it into a lot. Mom, it was incredible. You should have been there. See, Jesus not only gives us what we need, so often he gives in abundance. 
When we say, listen, I'll choose to be generous with what you give us, he will give you in abundance so that you can abundantly be generous. Whatever you reap, you sow. You reap generously, you receive generously. See, faith is seen from God's point of view, and that's what we're gonna be challenged to do throughout this whole time. And so here's the takeaway. Because if God is gonna do in and through us the things that we're gonna hope and pray that he does, he's gonna have to take the little that we have, and he's gonna have to make that into the, the, the more that he wants, right? He's gonna have to take a little and turn it into a lot. But the only way that can happen is, is if we give what little we have to him. Write this down. Here's the takeaway. We'll be done. Will you trust Jesus to do a lot with the little that you have to offer? Will you trust Jesus to do a lot with the little that you have to offer? If you want to keep the little that you could offer to him, it's only going to be a little. But if you will give to him the little bit that you have to give, he can take that and turn that into a lot. So what is it that God is going to challenge you with this campaign? What do you have a little of, but you need him to turn it into a lot? Are you willing to let go of that? Maybe you've got a little bit of faith, but you need him to turn that into a lot. Maybe you look at it and you say, I have, I have this amount that I feel like I can give, but I know, God, that you want to do even more than that. So I need you to take this and turn it into that. Maybe you've got a little bit of faith. You've got a little bit of, of bravery, a little bit of courage. And he's saying, listen, give it to me. I want to turn it into a lot. See, if, we're, if we will give him the little that we have and trust him to do what he can with it, that's when he'll do the miraculous things in and through our lives. So are you willing to take the little bit that you have and allow him to turn it into a lot? Because when he does miracles, he doesn't just do them for us. He does them through us. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word and your truth today. Your truth that tells us that you can take a little and turn it into a lot. And God, as we are at the beginning of this campaign, you're going to challenge us to be generous. Sometimes with our time, sometimes with our abilities and our talents and sometimes God with the the money and the resources that you've given us and God you're going to want us to do all three of those in this campaign and so God as we sing this song together God my prayer is that you would expand our faith begin to lead us to make the commitment that we'll give whatever little you ask of us to you and by doing that God you'll do the miraculous in and through us God, this time is yours. Would you speak to our heart in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand and sing to him.